Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul writing from the New King James Version. It says this, Moreover, brethren, I declared to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. I should point out here, he's talking about the gospel, and he's saying, this is what we preach to you, uh, this is in which you stand this gospel, but also he said, by which also you're saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you. So uh, there's a big controversy that's gone on for centuries as to whether or not a person that did get saved can lose their salvation or can they walk away from the Lord and end up not being saved. Some people that would say, no, they cannot. Like, if you ever were saved, you will always be saved. And uh, others would argue and say, oh, no, no, you can choose to be saved, and then you can choose to walk away from the Lord. Well, I believe the latter. And this is one of those verses that I think helps to clarify. And as we go through the Bible, uh, likely I'll be pointing out others as well. But notice it says about the gospel, it says, by which, verse 2, also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you. So you're saved if you hold fast. In other words, you can't just say the prayer and really put your faith genuinely in Jesus, get born again, and then uh, go and live any way you want to or decide to slack off and not really follow the Lord, not really obey the Lord, not really stay with God and go back into sin and such and just expect that, oh no, I said that prayer back some years ago and I'll just be saved. Notice Paul says, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you. And so we're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. However, we can be distracted by sin, lured away and stop following the Lord and eventually lose our salvation. I believe that, I believe there are many verses in the Bible and in the New Testament that help us to see that. Verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul said, and Paul's a Pharisee, so he has studied what we would call today the Old Testament, all these prophecies about the Messiah. He studied all these, and he said, look, he said, I have seen in the Old Testament, once my eyes were open to Jesus, I've, I can now see all these prophecies that point to and clearly and specifically speak of and prophesy accurately about Jesus, how he was crucified as Passover lamb, how he was raised the third day. Paul said, all of this is according to the scriptures. Now remember, when he's writing this, we don't have the New Testament. See, we only have the Old Testament, so he just calls them the scriptures. Now the scriptures include the Old and the New Testament. So he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, 
then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So Paul is saying, look, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared first to Peter, but he appeared to the twelve, the disciples or apostles. But it says, but after that, he appeared to over 500 people all at once. So he said, and the, and the majority of them, while he's writing this, at the time of this writing, he said the majority of them are still alive. They're still witnesses. They'll still verify that, though some have died by the time he wrote this. See, and so Paul is explaining in this day and age, hey, this is verified. This is documented. There are many eyeballs, over 500 people. That means over a thousand eyeballs saw Jesus raised from the dead. This is corroborated. And so he goes on to say in verse 7, after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. You remember Paul on the road to Damascus in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. Paul had this encounter with Jesus and such, and uh, he saw Jesus. And so it says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So notice that Paul, he feels still so badly that he was persecuting brethren uh, before he was a brother in the Lord, before he was a believer in Jesus. He was persecuting precious believers in the Lord who were laying down their lives for the cause of Christ. And he still feels badly about that. And he says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because of what I have done in my past. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. So Paul said, Look, I'm not worthy in and of myself to be called an apostle. However, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am an apostle by the grace of God. He said, he goes on to say, but I labored more abundantly than them all. He said, I didn't just take that grace and just sit on it. He said, no, I took the grace that was extended to me where, whereby God made me an apostle and I worked so hard. He said, I worked harder than all the other apostles. Interesting that he's saying that. It sounds a bit braggadocious, but we know here he's writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And by doing so, he's just explaining something to us that yes, we do receive the grace of God, even to be saved. We're saved by grace. But once we're saved by grace, then we work to be obedient, not obedient to be saved because you can only be saved by grace, but to be obedient because of the grace of God. God has given me the grace to be obedient. And Paul is showing God has given him the grace to be an apostle. So now he needs to use that grace and work to be the best apostle that he can be. And he said, I labored more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God. Look at verse 11. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. We're all together in this. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found 
Uh, yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. He's just making an argument here. If it was true that the dead don't rise, then all this that we're doing is in vain. Verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Notice how important the resurrection is. We always focus on the death of Christ. And of course, that is important because he had to pay the penalty for sin. However, having paid the penalty for sin, that relieves us from paying the penalty. But how do we get born again into the family of God? See, Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He was born from the dead. He was born again before we were born again. Now, of course, he was born again in a different way, but he had died and he was raised from the dead. And the Bible calls him the firstborn among many brethren. And so if he had not been raised from the dead, then we could not be born again into the new life in Jesus because he wouldn't have life. He'd be dead. See, but we're born into the life of Jesus. And so Paul's making this case. Look, if he hasn't been raised from the dead, neither have we been spiritually. Verse 19, it goes on to say, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Talking about the apostles. He said of everybody, we're the most pitiable. Why? Because we're giving this life away to, to uh, pursue our calling, to fulfill our calling. And if this is the only life there is, then we're the most pitiable because we're investing this one into other people's lives. We're not doing anything for ourselves. See, but Paul said, no, there's another life. There's another life coming. Verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And he's saying, but he is risen. We've speculated a bit. What if he wasn't raised from the dead? But in verse 20, he says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man, capital M, Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. And he's making this contrast between Adam, the first human being created, and Jesus who came to solve the death problem, the sin problem and the death problem of human beings. And so he's the second or the last Adam. Okay, so he goes on to say, for since by man, Adam, came death. By man, Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. In other words, all of the governmental rulership of the earth, human rulership, but also everything in the spirit realm, natural realm, everything is going to come completely under God. Somebody said, I thought that already happened. Well, it did happen in the sense that spiritually, Jesus took all the authority. But notice, he didn't completely use the authority that he's been given. All authority has been given in heaven and on earth, but he hasn't exercised it completely to come and to dominate and to shut all kingdoms down, all nations down, and to rule as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's coming. 
See, so yes, the kingdom of God has already begun to be established on the earth, but it hasn't completely uh, overruled or dominated all of the authorities. That is the second coming where that's going to happen. So notice uh, verse, let's look at verse 22. But each one his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Oh, won't it be good to get rid of death? No more funerals, no more, no more memorial services, no more missing our loved ones and relatives. It says, the last one is death, verse 27, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under his feet, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. That's a little complicated, but let me explain it. The Father has put, Father God has put all things under the feet of Jesus. But he says it's evident that when Father God put everything under Jesus' feet, Father God did not include himself being put under Jesus' feet. Okay, so he's accepted. He's an exception. And so verse 28, now when all things are made subject to him, then the son himself will also be subject to him, God the Father, who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Why then are they baptized for the dead? And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm, uh, talking about these apostles, why would we put ourselves out there for people to get saved if people don't rise from the dead? Verse 30, and why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. I die daily. Paul's saying, I lay myself out there and I die daily to get the gospel to people, to help people to stay in the faith, to help unbelievers to come into the faith. I die daily so that they, they might live. So he's saying it's worth it because people really do and will rise from the dead. Verse 32, if in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. This is what happened to me, by the way, years ago. I awoke to the fact that in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And by accepting and acknowledging that and having my mind renewed to be in the righteousness of God in Christ, sin, the bondage and addiction of sin, lust and all that fell away. But I had to awake to righteousness instead of concentrating on my sin and focusing on my bondage. Oh, I had to awake to the fact that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ through 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 21. And that's when I was delivered from the bondage of sin. He says, awake to righteousness, verse 34, and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish ones, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow... You do not sow 
that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. He's saying the little seed you put in the ground, that seed has to die, kind of come unraveled and everything for it to produce what it was intended to produce. So he goes on to say, verse 38, but God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, another of birds. There are also celestial celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, talking about heavenly or earthly bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body, the physical body, is sown or buried in corruption. It is raised at the last day when Jesus comes back. It is raised in incorruption. Corruption means subject to decay, decay and aging and such. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. See? And so, however, verse 46, the spiritual is not the first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man, Adam, was of the earth, made of dust. The second man, Jesus, is the Lord from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, Jesus, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have born the image of the man of dust, talking about Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, talking about Jesus, because we're saved, we're born again. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh, excuse me, that now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, saying not everybody on the earth uh, will die when before Jesus comes back. Some people will be alive. Some believers will be alive when Jesus comes. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Whether we have died and are in the ground or whether we're still alive, we'll all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, talking about our physical bodies. And this mortal, which means subject to death, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where's your victory? See, when we know we have eternal life and you get to the end and well, you don't die, or even if you your body was in the grave, well, your soul and spirit is already with the Lord. And now your body is going to be raised up, changed into a non-aging, uh, non-decaying body. And you'll be reunited with your body just, I mean, that fast. He's saying, where's the sting of death? 
Where's the victory of Hades or the grave or uh, that holding place where people uh, went back in the day before Jesus was raised from the dead? It says in verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that verse. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? Because Jesus not only died, he was raised from the dead, which means that we all will be raised. Our bodies will be raised from the dead. We're going to live forever with Jesus if indeed we know Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. Well, I'm so glad that you joined us today for the daily reading. And don't forget to subscribe, hit that notification bell, and share this with somebody. And I'm going to ask you, invite some people to come with you, and let's read God's Word together every single day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.